Welcome back to Men's Levin's podcast, From the Edge. This is Jeremy Glazer, the co-chair of the Men's Levin Venture Capital and Emerging Company Practice. From the Edge is a podcast geared toward helping entrepreneurs thrive by learning from experiences of executives in the technology, biotech, and finance fields. On this podcast, Men's Levin partners who work with growing companies, raising capital, building great management teams, and achieving successful liquidity events will discuss with investors and entrepreneurs the key reasons that they were able to build successful companies and the important lessons learned along the way. Mintz Levin is a nationally leading law firm focused on helping helping emerging growth companies achieve success. Check us out at mintzedge.com. Well, today we are really fortunate to have with us Carrie Stone. Carrie is the president of C. Stone & Associates, an executive search firm performing senior executive and board assignments. Carrie advises companies and boards on complex business issues and strategies for talent acquisition, organizational assessment and development, pay for performance, transitions, and succession planning. Prior to starting her search firm, Carrie served as a venture partner with Enterprise Partners Venture Capital, a $1.1 billion venture fund investing in disruptive technologies and biotechnology. So I'm really excited about today because we're going to be focusing on a really different aspect of building great companies. And we're really lucky to carry here with all of our incredible experience and background. So today we're going to discuss the importance of management in the financing process and how venture capitalists assess management teams prior to making an investment decision. So Carrie, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Our pleasure. So I'd like to kick off by having you talk to our listeners about you know, what questions should an entrepreneur be prepared for investors to ask relating to management? Well, typically there's an expression that investors invest in the jockey and not the horse. So they're really looking at a team and their backgrounds and their track record of success. So, I, you know, typically there's questions all about the market, the, the competitive analysis, et cetera, but good investors take a deep dive on the team. So one question is, why are you doing this? And what they're really getting to for that question is what motivates you. I'd make a list of what questions you might get asked that you don't think you'll get asked and be prepared for those. Like what mistakes have you learned so far, made so far and what have you learned for them? What keeps you up at night? Any question that you can imagine and you can Google online, there's some great information also about questions to anticipate. So you can never be overprepared for a meeting with an investor. Big fails that we see are situations where the entrepreneur wants to go in, has a fantastic deck, and wants to plow through it. But the fact is that most (laughs) investors, particularly venture capitalists, see so many deals, so many decks, that they have an ADD. They're going to jump ahead. They're going to interrupt. So the presentation needs to have an ebb and a flow. But let me go back to team. The team is everything. Leadership is everything in, in, in a startup. So what they're going to be asking you is, all about the team and where are the gaps and that's very important. So I love that you're focusing on that the team really is the, is the key and I bring back for me something that I hear all the time. Everybody talks about you know real estate, right? Real estate, it's always about location, location, location. And when it comes to venture capital, it's management, management, management. So 
you know, so leadership matters, right? So let's talk about that. You know, tell me about why leadership matters in a startup. Absolutely. I think what they're looking for first is a demonstrated track record of success in the CEO or founder. And a lot of founders don't have that. And a good founder will look at how do I fill the gaps with that? How do I bring in somebody where I can stand on their shoulders and make the baskets? On my particular career, I always hired smarter, better people than myself to help me look good. But they're looking at, investors want to know that you're pragmatic and realistic about your own skills. Unfortunately, up in the Bay Area, what has happened is they'll commandeer a company and they'll lock them down and give them a term sheet very quickly to lock them up, but they don't tell them they're going to pull the rug out from underneath them. At Enterprise, I really valued how we approached things that um, all of us had had operating experience, but we would tell a founder that we love what you're doing, but we feel that you need a CEO who has experience. And some founders don't want to step aside and, and or partner with somebody else, but realistic perspective on what are your skill sets, what value do you bring to the company, and what else is needed in the company to help the company be successful. So that's the number one thing I think investors look at. First of all, is are you, do you have integrity and are you passionate and also pragmatic about uh, the perspectives of your role in the company or your roles as co-founders. That's the first thing. Um, if a co-founder with limited skills um, isn't realistic, you know, it's a short conversation for most investors. So leadership absolutely matters. I want to focus on, that's an important point you just made. So the venture capitalist is going to explore with the entrepreneur, you know, why do you think you should be CEO? Do you have the right skills to be CEO? And they're going to explore whether or not there's a willingness to potentially not be CEO. Not all venture capitalists, good venture capitalists will. They'll identify, what have you done in the past? What's your track record of success? You may be a fantastic engineer, but you may have never led a team. You may have never recruited anybody. You might not have the soft skills for leadership. You, it doesn't matter if you haven't raised money before, but what's your track record of success? But leadership, um, knowing when things go sideways. Have you had failures before and how did you deal with those? Because you are going to have bumps in the road. So they'll look, you know, they're going to look at your educational background, but they're up, most importantly is your recent track record of success. Have you been there, done that before? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So as you're, as you're having this conversation, I, I think back to an amazing uh, conversation I heard about, and I, and I refer to this a lot. I'm sure the listeners are probably uh, remember me talking about this, but there was a very successful entrepreneur who spoke to a large group here in San Diego, and he said that before he makes an investment in a business, he wants to know the answer to the question of, of the founder, Mr. Founder, Mrs. Founder, do you want to be rich or do you want to be CEO? What's more important to you? Exactly. Yep. Well, and also that brings up another question. Um, I think that entrepreneurs that go in with a preconceived idea of their valuation and the, and, the man, and the pool for the management team can get in trouble. You want to let the market dictate and listen to the offer before you go in with a deck that says, here's what we want, here's our cap table. Um, I would not be laying that out in the first presentation to the investors, but some entrepreneurs have a preconceived idea and they're inflexible they may have some family or other investors that say here's what we're worth and let the investors let the market dictate what you're worth I think this is interesting so so obviously you counsel not not only the companies who are looking to hire the CEOs but it sounds like you also counsel some CEOs about 
you know, what, what they should be saying when they're being interviewed potentially at a venture-backed company? Yeah, you know, our client is whoever's paying us. It can be um, the private equity or venture firm that's looking at the deal that wants us, has us go in and assess the team. It can be the CEO founder. It can be whoever is hiring us. And we will coach them. We'll coach them on the interview process. We'll coach them on what can you expect. And, you know, you, you may go out as an entrepreneur and talk to 20, 30, 50, 100 venture capitalists. When you start hearing consistencies and feedback, you need to listen to that. But, yes, um, we also say clarity and brevity. And I'm not doing a good job of this right now, but answer a question with clarity and brevity. And so many times an entrepreneur wants to get so much information out in a short period of time. But again, think about, you know, what do you want them to walk away knowing about you and your business? So this, as I'm listening to you describe this process, I can't help but think about, you must recruit and talk to a lot of different potential candidates. Is there one thing or you know a handful of things if you hear out of the mouth of a potential candidate that you're like, yeah, I'm done, I'm moving on? Um, when somebody brings up compensation as the first part of the conversation, that's a turnoff for me, it's a turnoff for our clients. If that's what their focus is, it's a real turnoff. So when is the right time to bring up compensation? Usually, us being the recruiting firm, we want to pre-qualify a candidate because we don't want to be presenting candidates out of the range and what our client wants to pay. So we'll ask them about their current compensation. Now, we may be recruiting for a venture-backed deal, pulling somebody out of a non-venture-backed deal. It could be a public company where their comp package is very different. So we'll be asking them base, bonus, stock, other benefits, and then looking at it's an equity play in the venture world. Are you willing to take a step back for a big step forward? And here's hypothetically what you could make. We don't give any promises. Sometimes in an offer, we put together cap tables with the company to convince an, an executive to take a leap of faith and come over and work with a venture-backed company. The appropriate time for a candidate to bring that up is almost never. <laughs> <laughs> but for us to pre-qualify, but then when we get serious, we'll say, what is it that's really important to you? What are you looking for? And understand what's important for them from a financial standpoint. So compensation is one component, but but how do you assess whether that individual that you're talking to on behalf of, let's assume you've been hired by a venture firm or a venture-backed company, mm -hmm. how do you assess whether that individual has what it takes to be an entrepreneur, to work yeah. in that kind of an environment? You know, that's a great question, Jeremy, because really having worked in venture and been in entrepreneurial endeavors myself, there's an intuitive sense of did they have entrepreneurial DNA? But then can they scale to make it a middle market company if or a successful larger company? Um, and a lot of people don't. They have to work in a larger company that may be a matrixed organization, but it's getting to, you know, if they have a massive team right now and they're delegating and they've not been scrappy and hands-on, there's a series of questions that we'll ask uh, to really get to, do they have the DNA to work within a venture or private equity-backed company? And um, we get to that pretty quickly. So, which leads to sort of a related question. So, when you're dealing with venture-backed companies in particular, and certainly pre-venture-backed companies, resources are limited. Correct. And we've, you've talked about how important the team is. And when you say team, yeah. it's not just the CEO, as you talked mm -hmm. about. It's the CEO plus the people around the CEO. Mm -hmm. So, they obviously need to build that team to be attracted mm -hmm. to investors, but they have really limited resources. What's your advice for a company in that situation? 
Yeah, that's a great question. It's very challenging. So one of the things that I recommend is be put together uh, your dream team. But look at the skills that you're looking for, the experience you're looking for, and the drivers of the business. The drivers of the business are, are where you hire first. If you're a product-driven, sales-oriented, sales are very important, you want to hire the best and brightest salesperson out there. So prioritize your organizational plan based on the drivers of the business. If product development, engineering, there are things you need for milestones to get the product to market, but prioritize. And look at the hard and soft skills and the experience. Define those and prioritize those and have a one sheet for each of those positions. That will show your investors, first of all, that you've been very thoughtful about this and prioritize your hiring plan. Second of all, you have a, what are the mission critical deliverables for this position? And how, I, how am I going to measure their success? So you're building a performance-based culture and that then what are the requirements for the position? So you have a sheet for each of those in prioritized order, again, depending on the drivers of the business. Once you have that, rather than ready, aim, fire, one thing you can do is recruit people in advance of the funding and, and make an arrangement with a candidate who's employed upon funding that they would join the company. And would they be available for interviews as appropriate with future with investors? And so you can make that kind of arrangement and show these are the quality and the people we want to hear hire based, you know, and that's part of the fundraising allocation that we're looking for is to hire the team. So that's one thing. The other thing is to um, look at advisors. And are there other advisors that can fill a role for you on a short-term basis? In some functions, definitely there are CFOs, marketing, you can outsource and do that on a short-term basis. But it's not like having skin in the game and having somebody there who's really playing to win. So uh, again, just to summarize, um, working on hiring the best and brightest you can with the resources you have today, putting together your team of people you want to hire post-funding so that you've shown that you understand that you don't have the team and this is why you need funding, part of what you're going to be using for resources. So that's a couple of ideas. So another aspect of limited resources is very often it's you know the founder or two founders, right? And they don't have an HR person and they don't have the resources to hire a, you know, a wonderful retained mm -hmm. search firm, right? Yep. What do you recommend in that situation? How do they find sure. these people? Two things. Well, first, in HR, there are a lot of outsourced HR resources. And once you have even two employees and you have money and you've taken on money, you need to have, obviously, a good lawyer like yourself put together some things around legal aspects of HR and a, ultimately a little a handbook. And, and today, in today's world, you need to have things about um, discriminatory behavior, et cetera, et cetera. It's very important to set the culture from the beginning and that that shouldn't be overlooked. So that's the first thing around HR. You can work your network, and today you can place ads on Indeed. You can look in universities. You can go on LinkedIn. You can do outreach on LinkedIn. You can use your network like you, your professional services folks. Who do they know? That limits your pool of candidates, but that's a good way to start. 
as long as you keep with the criteria you're looking for and you're not compromising on the experience and the requisite experience that you're looking for and the skill sets. Can you check the box on everything? So it's leveraging your network. Um, some recruiters will work on a contingency basis and some we do not. We're a retained search firm. Typically we're hired to bring in you know, senior leadership, but with some deals we have some flexibility on the third payment we've taken in stock or equity. It's rare, but we do that from a cash flow standpoint or a milestone they receive, Series C or Series B, we'll do that, but it's rare. Mm-hmm. So when is it appropriate to hire a recruiting firm? When do you think in a, in a company's stage that they need to be really thinking about bringing in a firm like yourselves to be assisting them in building out the management team? Well, they have to have the capital in place to hire professional services like us and like you and accounting firms, etc. It's when they do not have the network or the resources to hire the best and brightest. What we do is... Uh, cast a wider net than their network. And great expression of venture capitalist, a great story of venture capitalist told me here in San Diego is he said, you know, unfortunately, because if I refer somebody, they think the guy walks on water and they don't do enough due diligence, guy or gal, I should say. And I think that that's a fault, a fault when you have somebody that you refer or somebody known to you, they think, oh, that's the stamp of approval and they don't do enough due diligence. That's where we come in. We're independent. We really take a deep dive in understanding the candidates. The other thing, of course, today is I think that investors look for integrity. They look for experience, they look for passion, and they look for pragmatism. As I said, the integrity comes in in social media. We don't present, and we use some software services, we don't present any candidate to our clients that we haven't already vetted on social media. And people forget what's out there, maybe from their college days or something that they somebody else posted at a party, but we will take, that presents a balanced perspective of who somebody is, but um, we want to know about that. And when I talk about validating people's resumes in a, in a venture back deal at the senior level, we always would do background checks. We don't do them personally, but we recommend them, especially CFO, your fiduciary responsibility. And we have found some unfortunate situations that we needed to disclose. Um, that at first we go to the candidate and share with them. We don't give them the report, and sometimes they can be rarely, but false information. And they'll say, yeah, that was me. I was arrested for that and um, they're all of a sudden not a candidate. The other thing is, I know this sounds very callous, Jeremy, but um, we believe that a resume is an art of fiction and we just have to find (laughs) out where it is. A lot of people claim they did things, but they were really part of a team or there may be gap years missing, but our job is to, you know, again, this is third-party service that we use, validate everything on the resume, because that's integrity, right? So we had one experience where we had a finalist CEO candidate and waiting for her to sign the release. Great pedigree, background, companies, MBA, and um, she was stalling on the release, and I finally called her, and she said, I sort of didn't go to that graduate school. I said, sort of didn't, or you didn't? Well, I didn't. I said, what about the college? And she said, no. And I said, did you go to college? I didn't graduate. My story is, and she told this story uh, about um, first generation to go to college, didn't like it, parents were getting divorced, father was a fireman in New York City, 
started working and going to college and became so successful. You can't believe the company she was with. The names of these companies were very impressive and nobody had caught this. So I had to call the venture capitalists and say, guess what? And he, his, he had been at Harvard, Harvard MBA. He said, you know what? Had she been honest, I would have hired her because I'm the first generation in my family to go to business. So everybody has a little wart on them somewhere, but what we do is we find the warts and we have to disclose those. The other thing we do is deep dive reference checks. Everybody gives you a list of things. People are going to say nice things about them, but we have an art and science of asking questions, even the people that they thought were going to say nice things about them, to find out. We'll ask the client, what are you concerned about about this candidate? Where are the soft spots? What do you want us to probe on? And we'll take a deep dive on some of those things too. Well, this has been, been great, Carrie. So to, to wrap up, I want to just uh, finish by sort of pointing out that you've had an incredibly varied background. Uh, you know, working at high levels of marketing at very large companies, working at venture capital funds, and now being in the executive recruiting space. What is it that you bring to the executive recruiting space, do you think, that really differentiates Seastone and Associates and what you're doing? Well, thanks for asking that question. I think we bring a performance-based approach. We have a 93% retention rate of candidates we've placed, so we do a good job getting it right from the beginning. We spend a long time understanding the company, the culture, the people, so that it's a good alignment. We don't like to use the word fit because that could be discriminatory. So um, across the board and what we do, time to fill, uh, callback ratio, because we're cold calling some people and our percentage of getting through to these people, et cetera. So I think I've built a performance-based culture and it shows in our results. Well, thank you so much, Carrie, for joining us. It's been a pleasure to have you. Thank you. And uh, to our listeners, thank you for listening. And please listen in to our future podcasts on From the Edge from Mince Levin. Thank you.